On the wall in my study at Riverside House, I have a picture. It's pride of place by my desk as a reminder to me of something very, very important so that every day that I'm in the office, I see it and it reminds me. It's there because I want to be reminded and it's there because I so easily forget. Here's the picture. It's some street art by an artist called Kegai. It's one of those sort of paste-ups you kind of see in some cities uh, from a number of years ago uh, from London. It's a pack of cigarettes with kind of one of the safety warnings that so often go on those cigarettes. And it simply says, religion can seriously harm you and others around you. It's a reminder to me of how easy it is for me and how easy it is for all of us to slip into mere ritual or formula or duty-filled religion. And it's a reminder to me as a Christian leader how easy it is to teach that. How easy it is to forget that at the heart of Christianity is a relationship with Jesus. That it isn't about dry religion, the kind of religion that does damage. And many here may know what it was like where you started out following Jesus, where your passion for him and your excitement about the things of God were immense. You would go anywhere and do anything for the God you love. And yet as the years flow on, or as life crowds in, the passion that was once so white hot has ebbed and is still there every now and again, fanned a little bit, but not what it once was. Or it might be that some who are just in the beginning of that journey and your experience of Christianity is dry, dead religion, and to be honest, what you've seen of it is frankly damaging. And therefore, as you begin to ask questions, you're just not sure. You don't want to end up like that. But yet you've begun to taste something more, something other, something of the heart of the good news of Jesus that is beginning to really excite you. Because it's so easy for all of us to get sucked in to being about what we do. Duty, ritual, religion. And the people we're looking at today from the Bible were exactly the same. We're gonna look at the book of Isaiah this morning. And Isaiah is a book all about God's people who have been called to follow him and yet seem to be constantly going against him and adopting the things of the surrounding society. And rather than following God with all their hearts, are kind of just a bit compromised and a bit sort of wishy and a bit sort of washy. And in Isaiah chapter two, near the beginning, we read some words of the potential of what will be one day. Look at these words. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised up above the other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. 
People from many nations will come and say, come, let's go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God, for the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, his word will go out from Jerusalem, and the Lord will mediate between nations and settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hawks, hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. That is what the potential of could be for God's people. As Isaiah says, come, descendants of the Lord, let's walk in the light of the Lord. That there will be a day where all nations, all tribes, will see something of God's people and say, I want in. I want their way. I want their God. And as a result, nations will no longer be at war. What potential. What opportunity. God's people called to be a beacon of hope for the world, which goes back right to the beginning of the book of Genesis, where we read God's original calling on that first person, Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I'll curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. God's people have always been blessed to be a blessing. They are called to experience God's blessing and then to go out and transform the world. That's the potential. And in the book of Isaiah, it seems to be okay. They seem to be walking in that relationship with God. At the end, Isaiah 58, our kind of key passage today, we read these words. Day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. In other words, it looks like God's people are doing what they're called to be in relationship with him so that the whole world might be blessed. And here at Riverside, our heartbeat is to help people get to know Jesus and grow as his followers in Birmingham and beyond, to be that blessing to our city, to be that blessing for our world. And here God's people seem to be doing that. They're eager to know his ways, they're eager for God to come near. But there's an issue, and it's an issue for them, and I want to suggest it might be an issue for us, and it certainly is an issue for me. Let me highlight, we're gonna look at some Hebrew a little bit, the original language that the Bible was written in. That word eager is actually the word delight. So God's people have this calling, to be blessed, to be a blessing. And it seems that they are delighting in God's things. They delight to know his ways. They delight for God to come near to them. But there's an issue, a problem. Verse three of Isaiah 58 spells it out. They're grumbling. God's people are moaning at God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? What they're saying is, God, we've done all this for you. We've ticked all the boxes. We've fasted. We've prayed. Where where is it? Where are you? You've not shown up. You've not done what we want. It doesn't seem to work. And here's the issue. Their obedience their following God, their rituals are out of dryness, not out of relationship. 
Because at the end of Isaiah 58, we get some stunning words, and then we'll apply this to us. If you keep from your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Now, do you remember what we said about the word delight? Here's the sucker punch. The same word that God through his prophet said, you delight in my ways, you delight in me coming close to you, is exactly the same word as God saying you're doing as you please. In other words, their obedience of God is for what they can get out of it. And so when God doesn't answer their prayers, God doesn't meet their needs, seem to meet their needs, or doesn't show up, they rail at him and um, grumble at him. Because I've done all this, God, where are you? just like the elder brother in the prodigal son. I've done all this for you, God. Forgetting, of course, the intimate relationship that he's always had. And here's the issue, because look, there is another word in Hebrew for the word delight, which means enjoy. And do you notice how God speaks it through the prophet Isaiah? If you call the Sabbath a delight, the Lord's Day Honorable and so on, then you will find your joy, your delight, your enjoyment in God. What's happening is God's people are so focused on serving him, they've forgotten him. They're so focused on ticking the boxes of what they think they should be doing, they've forgotten the one that they're doing it for. They're so focused, I've got my fasting right. But they've forgotten the one that they fasted before. They've stopped enjoying God. So they don't delight in the Sabbath, spending time with him. Then you will find your joy in the Lord. Their delight is what they do for God, not in God. And we all know what's this like, don't we? Imagine for me for a moment a young couple in the first flush of love. They just love spending time together. Out of that time together, of course, they want to do things for each other, give gifts and so on. Of course, they want to help each other and please each other. Of course, they want to sacrifice for the one they love. But most of all, they love just being with the one they love. It's that relationship out of which bubbles all of those actions. It's the same in any relationship, isn't it? Family, friends. Just being together deepens the relationship. This series is about all of us getting to know Jesus more. It's all about Jesus out of which then lifestyle and lives follow. Changed lives change other lives. It's about enjoying God more. And there's three things that I think this applies to us. Three ways. And the first is this. 
Changed people, the more we get to know Jesus, enjoy God for who he is, not what they can get out of him. We enjoy him for being him, not for the little magic that he can do for us if we rub the lamp the right way. It's him, that relationship, that walking with him in the garden. They're obedient, you see. We fasted, we've done all this. Why haven't you seen it, God? They're more interested in what they get out of him than him. Can I ask a question for all of us? I find this immensely challenging. How do our affections for God change if we've prayed for something and it doesn't work out the way we want? Is prayer more what we can get out of it than getting God? At the end of this morning, we are gonna pray, we're gonna offer prayer to all of us to enjoy God more. And it, for me, and I'm guessing for a number here, it is something they long for more in their lives, to enjoy their Father. God's people, changed people, enjoy God for who he is, not what they can get out of him. Because their issue, and it becomes obvious, is the way they're living their lives, which leads us to our second point. Changed people enjoy God, and because they enjoy God, follow his heart as well as his ways. Their issue, you see, is they're ticking some boxes in their religious ritual and duty. They're turning up to the prayer meeting. They're reading their Bible. They're looking good on Sundays. But deep down, the rest of their life is an absolute mess, a shocker. You can see it's pretty obvious. On the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard. What they're saying is, God, I've done all this. And then during the week, how they treat each other, boy, they're quarreling and fighting all the time. And then they're stomping down the vulnerable and the weak and the poor and the oppressed. They're stomping on their workers. And then on Sundays, I'm here. Come on, deliver God, deliver for me, I'm praying. What's being revealed is that their heart is not for the one they love. Their heart is what they can get out of him. And so therefore it doesn't matter how the rest of their life lives. And God is calling them in this chapter and calling God's people to so enjoy him that it bubbles out in the rest of our lives in the way we treat each other. The more we get to know Jesus, how on earth can we be fighting with each other all the time? Because we come face to face with the God of the universe who's given so much for us in our sin and the damage that we do, how on earth can we do damage to other people? There's grace for us and so therefore surely we extend the same grace to others. And how on earth can we therefore stomp on the weak and vulnerable and the, the, those we employ and the workers and stomp down on them and don't give them justice when God himself has reached out in grace to us in our weakness and vulnerability and says, child. But it's because they're using God for what they can get out of him. 
So God's people enjoy him, therefore get to know him and therefore follow his heart towards the weak and vulnerable, extending to those we love and care. Not just ticking boxes, but following God's heart because they know his heart. There's a third thing here. Changed people enjoy God and so spend time with him. Right at the end of Isaiah 58, did you see those words? If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you enjoy that day with God, then you'll find joy in the Lord. Spending time with God enables us to enjoy him and so then transforms our lives. Which is why in this booklet we're encouraging people to use this year, these nine months, to read through the New Testament. And at the back, there's a way to do that, reading a chapter every day. And even this week, as I've been reading it, there's been things that have really landed on me and I've gone, wow, I never read that before, even though I have read it before. Spending time with God, that's what this series is about. And do you see the results if they do this? Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like noonday. When God's people are so enjoying that relationship with God that they know his heart and therefore live for him and spend time with him, then, then others see, then the light spreads to the nations, then the nations say there's something other there, they've got something going on that is different. And don't we know that in our society? That when there's something different, it's deeply, deeply attractive. Sabbath, rest with God. When we enjoy God and follow his heart, other people notice. Can I confess a story to you? Uh, In my previous church, when we were in Surbiton, uh, I was the first person to get an Apple computer. In the staff team there, I got this computer, I'd always wanted one and I got it, it was great. By the end of my six years in the staff team, everybody had an Apple computer. Do you know why? because I simply enjoyed using my Apple computer every day as you do work, and because I enjoyed it, I therefore talked about it. And therefore other people got frustrated with their Windows machines, as you well might, I don't want to say that to you, and therefore thought there might be a different way, (laughs) and then saw the light that was exuding from my Apple computer on my desk and began to flirt with the idea of maybe trying an Apple computer, and before long, every single person on this team had an Apple computer. Now, why? I'm not going into whether they're better or not. We can have that argument afterwards, but they are. Um, (laughs) It was simply because there was somebody who'd had their life transformed by an experience that naturally bubbled out of them. It wasn't because that person decided, right, I've got to convert this team to Apple computers. And so I'll plot and plan today, or there's an opportunity, right, Apple. 
It was simply because my experience and my enjoyment of that machine was such that I freely talked. I freely offered ideas. I freely said, have you tried an Apple computer? I want to suggest the same is true for us at Riverside. Our heartbeat is to help people get to know Jesus and grow as his followers. The more we know Jesus, the more we will show Jesus. The more you get to know and love somebody, the more you will naturally talk of them and bubble out of them and others will want to know more about this person. Not because you think I've got to do this, but simply because you're enjoying God. And so friends, we're gonna pray in a minute that we would be people who enjoy him. For all he is, and all he has done for us, and all he is doing for us. Sometimes we can be so busy for God, we forget God. And I wonder if for some of us this resonates because we've been following Jesus for years and the emphasis now is not on Jesus but it's on the following. It's on what I do. And therefore, when I turn up to things and nobody else does, I criticize them so easily. Or to be honest, I get a bit frustrated and the passion's just gone. I used to love Jesus and now he's kind of on my agenda but more as a boss. Today we're gonna pray, Lord please, can we enjoy you more? This year, can we get to know you more? For others of us, life has just swamped in. And just pressures, experiences, hardships, pain, heartache, has swamped in to that relationship with Jesus. And to be honest, we we doubt, we have prayed, and we're not sure. We're gonna have an opportunity to pray that even in that heartache, you might know something of God's great love and enjoy him, even in the sadness. Or maybe if we're honest, some of us have been using God for what we can get out of him. There is something in our life that we long for It may be a very, very good thing and we have prayed lots for it and yet, as of yet, it hasn't happened. And to be honest, we're beginning to get really cross. Or maybe we've even moved beyond that and are just now numb. And what so easily happens in our society is that if a relationship doesn't seem to be doing it for me, I'm out of there, let's go on to somewhere else. So if a job doesn't seem to be doing it for me, oh, I'll go down the road and get a different job. If a church doesn't seem to be doing it for me, I'll go down the road. If a relationship doesn't seem to be doing it for me, doesn't meet what I want, cool, let's bail, move out, next, 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 next. And the same is true with God. If he doesn't give what I want, we can so easily bail. Our prayer this morning for those of us in that situation that we might enjoy God again. I have a kind of prayer mentor who prays for me and Claire and the family every day. I saw him a little while ago. He's an older guy, some of you may know him, but, uh, and what resonated from me through his life experience was one thing, his joy in Jesus. Friends, may we be people who enjoy Jesus. 
And I want to say something as I come to a close for those people here for whom you're not sure whether you follow him or not. I love this quote from Julian Barnes. We've said it a number of times before. I think it's a brilliant quote. I don't believe in God, but I miss him. For those people here, you're not sure whether you follow Jesus, but you know you have sought delight and enjoyment in other things in this life, and you know deep down they have been found deeply wanting. And you know there is that ache within you, that longing within you that maybe even as you've been coming along to Riverside, you've begun to think maybe, just maybe, there's something, some satisfaction, some deep joy in God that you haven't yet experienced. I want to say if that's you, as we pray in a moment to come forward and also say, Lord, please, can I enjoy you? Because there's this beautiful psalm as I come to a close. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And do you notice what that verse is saying? If you delight in God, what's the desires of your heart? It's God. He will give you those desires. If we so want to enjoy him, he promises 